Welcome to the Financial Cafe, as aired every Saturday at 9 a.m. on 88.7 WSIE. Today's show is underwritten by The Chef Shop, your hometown kitchen accessory store, where a good cup of coffee starts every day outright. The views expressed on the Financial Cafe are those of the hosts and do not represent the views of Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, the SIU Board of Trustees, or WSIE Radio. Hello, folks. Welcome to the second show of the Financial Cafe. We survived another week, and they actually let us come back on the air again. As mentioned last week, our goal during the next half hour or so is to educate our audience on relevant financial topics and to discuss some of the better local coffee brews or just some of our retail favorites. My name is Larry Lexo, my partner, John Graney. Today's topic will provide some information for those of you to consider with regards to your 401k account. We heard another advisor discussing this topic a few weeks ago and wanted to provide some clarity. Make sure that you, our audience, has all the necessary information when it comes to your 401k or other qualified retirement plan account, especially when you terminate employment. So you have a 401k 401k account with your employer and you decide to leave your employer for retirement or another job, or maybe, unfortunately, your employer decided that it was time for you to leave the company. In any event, this is what we call a distributable event. You now have a decision to make with several possible scenarios on what to do with your 401k account, assuming you have been saving in one, and maybe you're lucky enough to have your employer help you by making some additional contributions on your behalf. So essentially, you have several possible choices, and most of these are dictated by the adoption agreement or the plan trust agreement, uh, sometimes called the plain English version is a summary plan description, which you're required to be given by your plan sponsor to let you know how the plan works. The four basic distributable events, as John mentioned, are death, disability, termination of employment, which we're discussing today, uh, or retirement. If you don't hit one of those, you may not be able to take your money out of the plan. But on retirement, your first choice is you could cash it out. Usually not the best decision, especially if you're under age 59 and a half. If you're under 59 and a half, you cash out. You not only pay federal and state taxes on the distribution, but you also pay a 10% federal penalty at the end of the year. So it could end up costing you as much as 35 to 40% of your money by doing that. If you're over 59 and a half, you still want to keep the money in the plan in a lot of cases or roll it to an IRA. Depending on the size of your account, by cashing it in, it could throw you into a higher tax bracket, meaning you may be paying more in taxes than you otherwise would. And what I've seen over many years advising people, people don't like to pay taxes, let alone more than they really have to in that case. Well, they do such wonderful things with their money. Yes, as we well know. You could keep it in the current plan. If your account balance is over $5,000, most trust documents will allow you to keep uh, your uh, money, your account in the plan indefinitely. Your employer doesn't necessarily want you to do that, but you have to take a hard look at it to make sure that it is the best thing for you to do. Some of the things you need to look at are, what are the fees of your current plan if you left the account in there going forward? Does the employer charge any of the administrative fees against the account? He has that option, but I find in 80% or so of the cases, that is not true, that they actually pay the fees separately. The fees on your new plan, if you're moving to a new employer, uh, may be higher than your current plan, depending on the size. Typically, the larger the company, the larger the balance of the money in the plan, the lower the fees. So you need to get some facts before a decision can be made. The funds in your current plan may be very strong and may not be available in your new 401k plan. 
This is determined by who is actually selecting the funds, who is making the decisions on the choices that you have to invest in. So again, gathering as much information about it as possible is what you need to do. If the advisor on your current 401k plan is doing their job, these funds are being evaluated, hopefully, at least annually. So you're getting a pre-screen, evaluated investment choices so that you know someone is actually doing the due diligence and you have the best of the best in terms of the different asset classes available. One of the things we don't necessarily like to talk about, but your 401k plan, pension plan, profit sharing, any type of qualified account actually is one of the few assets you have that is not subject to creditors or subject to bankruptcy. Uh, Remember OJ? Uh, That name may mean something to a few people. He is one of the uh, trial cases that went all the way to the Supreme Court, and it was ruled that he he was not liable to uh, tap into his 401k or his pension plan to pay for any of the fees uh, relevant to the uh, court decisions. So the third choice you may have besides cashing in and leaving the money in a plan is, what if I roll it to the new plan, my new employer's plan? No matter what your account size is, you can roll this to your new employer's plan, provided that they allow rollovers into the plan. That's not necessarily always the case, but sometimes it is true. And if it is, it'll say so in the summary plan description. Basically, the opposite of the reasons to keep your money in your prior employer's plan are the same. Are the fees better in the new plan? Are the funds better in the new plan? If the advisor of your current plan is doing his jobs, those funds are being well evaluated and screened. Are they the same in the new plan? What are the steps being followed to make sure that they are being, uh, it was determined the due diligence is being done and you have the best of the best? One of the questions comes up often, what if I have a loan on my existing account? It gets a little tricky here because if you have a loan, the plan document may require you to pay the loan off when you terminate employment. Some plans, not a lot, but a few will allow you to make payments on your loan even after you've terminated employment. You need to find out this from your uh, uh, human relations, your HR department, your uh, CFO, or again, check the summary plan description. If you're transferring your account to a new employer's plan, that plan then has to first allow for loans, and if so, does it allow loans to be rolled into it? Again, determined by the summary plan description. So there's a lot of moving pieces you have to uh, take into account before you can determine whether you want to leave it or move it into the new plan. That's one thing we need to look back on when you're talking about cashing out. If you do cash out and you have an outstanding loan that could add to your tax burden, tax problem, um, and if you do roll it over to an IRA, the loan part of it would be considered a taxable event. So if you do have a loan, um, the safest option would be to roll it into the existing 401k. That way, if the loan can be rolled over with it, you're not going to be hit with any kind of taxes or penalties. That's a good point, John, because when you do cash out of a qualified plan, federal law requires that the trustee withhold 20% of the account balance as a prepayment of the federal tax due and the penalty due down the road. Let's say you have an outstanding loan of $10,000 on your account and you roll the entire amount, they're going to withhold 20% of your account balance. They'll also withhold another 20% of the $10,000 loan, which is going to come out of your cash. So you may not get nearly as much cash as you anticipated when rolling to uh, a, a, or just cashing out the plan. So you have to look at all of the options. Does the new company have a match? 
you're leaving money on the table, free money, as we like to say. If your company has a match and you're not submitting or making contributions to the plan up to the limit of the match, then you're really giving up free money, and we definitely advise against that. The last choice, not necessarily in any particular order, is to roll the account to an IRA. It is the most common action taken by individuals, and the reasons for that may include fees, taking a look at what the uh, the existing 401k plan account fees are, again, going back to the summary plan description, and something called a 404A5 notice, which you're required to be given at least annually that discloses all of the fees on your account uh, relating to the funds as well as to the administration of, of the account. If you have index funds in your existing plan, then it may or may not be less expensive to leave them there or to move them to an exchange-traded fund-based IRA. There are a lot of options we have available today to move them into where the fund share classes are very inexpensive compared to the mutual funds used in many 401k plans. Gather the information, make a comparison, and then and only then can you make a decision if it's better to leave it in the existing plan or to move it. The universe of investment options, when you have an IRA, uh, the choices for investing are almost endless. Whereas with a 401k, remember, you can only choose from the investments provided by the plan, whether they're good or they are bad. So what tools are available for you to use when making this type of decision? Uh, before we move with forward with that, let's just take a quick recap. We have four decisions that we discussed. One of them is cashing out, and just because of taxes, that's typically not an advisable decision. So the other three decisions, roll it to the IRA, roll it to the new plan if you're going to continue employment, or keep it in the existing plan that you have. In essence, there are three factors that need to be considered. Fees, fund performance, and services. So what information is available to help you determine the fee aspect of, of this decision? And as Larry mentioned, there is the 404A5 notice. Your current plan should make that available on a monthly basis online. You should be able to pull that report. It'll give you all the information needed uh, to make that decision and to determine what your fees are that you're currently paying. You should be able to get that information. <clears throat> excuse me. You should be able to get that information from your new employer if you're considering rolling the money into the plan before making that decision. So you can get that information on both ends and help you determine the fee aspect of it. I'm going to jump in here, John. Remember, when you're looking at a 404A5 fee disclosure notice, there are a minimum of at least two or three components to that notice. You have the fund fees. Say that fast three times. <laughs> the fund fees relate to the investment management of the account. If the account's with T. Rowe Price or it's with BlackRock or American Funds or whoever it happens to be, Fidelity, there is a cost to them managing that account, to doing the investments and trading within an account. That fee is shown as a percentage and as a dollar amount required by law uh, on each of those funds. So you may look at a fund that has what we call an 80 basis point fee, that's eight-tenths of 1% that they charge annually to manage that account. The 404A5 fee disclosure also shows us the amount that it is costing to administer your plan. Are there any fees that are charged against your 401k account that go to just strictly the administration of the plan and what those fees would be? Again, as a percentage and a dollar amount. 
And the last component, typically, if it's not already included in the two fees I just mentioned, is the fee for the advisor. Uh, we love doing what we do, but we do have to get paid. So there is always a fee, either a level fee or a commission. Again, that's going to be uh, determined by the type of plan and the type of agent or advisor you're working with. But there is a fee there somewhere to pay the advisor. So you need to know what all three of those fees are and how they're included. And that's something that we do when we evaluate uh, qualified plans is we look at all of the fees and try and put them on a apples-to-apples basis, which is a challenge at times. But uh, know what the fees are, and if you're not sure, ask the question. Good information. Uh, we are harping on fees, and that's for many reasons. One, fees are the part of the equation that you have control over. You can do some homework and determine which option makes the most sense from a fee standpoint. If you just we take a step back here and say, okay, if the fees that we're paying are 2% and we want to believe government statistics that inflation is at 3%, that's 5%. That means your investment has to earn 5% just to break even for you to have the same purchasing power in the future. So if your fund earns 4%, in real terms, you lost 1% on that investment because the money that you have can't buy as many goods and services in the future. So a 1% difference in fees can make a huge difference to your nest egg over time. So that's why we're focusing a lot here on fees. It's part of the, part of the equation we can determine and have control over. Fund performance, there are arguments to be made, and there's certainly that ever-present disclosure. Past performance is not an indication of future results. But if you're looking and doing a comparison of the current funds in your plan versus the funds in the new plan and their lower expense and they have equal or better returns, historically speaking, then it may make sense to make that move and, and roll over to the new provider. If you're going to roll it to an IRA and you're going to go to loan, you'll be able to get information from whatever discount brokerage website that you're going to use to figure out what the trading costs are. Uh, transaction fees and so forth, which will help you determine what are the fees going to be if you just go into account and start buying some stocks or some ETFs or even some funds. If you are going to roll it to an IRA and work with an advisor, typically that broker or registered investment advisor should be more than willing to say, give me the information of what you have and let me come up with a plan and I'll show you exactly how much it will cost. And they'll kind of do, do this homework for you. Um, it is a lot to consider. There are a lot of pieces of information that you need to gather. Uh, some of this, most of this you have to do on your own. And if the advisor is going to pull this together for you, be able to take the data and provide you with some really good information, it's a win-win for everybody because the advisor gets to, to show you what they're able to do. You're able to get the information to determine do you want to roll it to that advisor or you just, do you just want to keep it where it is. One of the key considerations at this point in time, which will be changing next April, is whether or not your advisor is doing the total comparison for you of the funds. Uh, next April of 2017, the Department of Labor fiduciary rule, there it is again, pops up uh, as we talk about these things, comes into play where your advisor, whether he's working for a broker-dealer or not, is going to be considered a fiduciary, and he's going to have to justify and be able to show, uh, prove, basically, that whatever plan he is recommending, he or she is recommending, 
that it is in your best interest. Right now, they don't have to do that. They can move you to something that is suitable, and in many cases, you could say it might be a suitable investment or choice for you, but it's not necessarily in your best interest. So ask the questions, are they acting as a fiduciary currently, and are they acting in your best interest? Are they acting and making suggestions that are suitable to you at this point in time? Uh, more to come as we uh, learn more about that over the, the coming months and the next uh, year or so. Uh, so what are our choices again? We get a lot of questions. We administer 401k plans. We're very familiar with how they operate. And uh, we get questions on a daily basis of people who are looking to take money out of the plan, uh, whether it's because they terminated employment or they want to take a loan or a hardship. And remember, all of these are governed by the plan trust document. You have to have the summary plan description and determine how the plan is designed to be able to determine whether or not you are eligible to uh, access that money. Uh, but upon termination, again, you can take the money in cash. Remember, you're going to have 20% deducted as a prepayment of federal taxes. And, of course, you are going to be subject to state tax. So if you don't withhold state tax, you're going to owe it at the end of the year, possibly with penalties especially if you're talking about Illinois, you could roll it to your new employer's plan, and it's a little more complicated, but your advisor can help you in determining a fee-to-fee basis, fund-to-fund performance basis, whether it makes sense. You know, if you have a loan on your plan currently, your new employer doesn't have loan provisions or does not allow loans to be rolled in, uh, which we have a case right now where one of our clients uh, was purchased by a company in California, and the new plan allows loans, but they do not allow for existing loans to be rolled into the plan. So it becomes somewhat of a predicament in terms of the, the employees who have loans and how they're going to be able to transfer that money to the new plan when it doesn't allow them to transfer the loan. Um, basically, they have to wait until they pay off the loan, or they have to have the ability of way, <clears throat> of transferring it into the new plan and paying the taxes on that as a distributable event. Uh, you can roll it to uh, an IRA, of course, uh, and we've discussed that in, in some length. Uh, complicated questions, but things that need to be considered because remember, it's your money, it's your best interest that should be at the heart of the financial advisor and whoever's helping you to make those decisions. One thing we haven't talked about yet today is the coffee that we're drinking today. So for those of you that may not be interested in the financial topic, the coffee we're drinking today is the Highlander Grog from the Chef Shop here, right here in Edwardsville. And I know yet last week when I talked about the hint of hazelnut, that I was not a hazelnut fan, this week this is the exact opposite. This is my kind of coffee. This is the one that wakes up, slaps you in the face, and says, come on, we got to get going. I'm, I'm two thumbs up on this coffee, Larry. And I needed this this morning, particularly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially after a long weekend. Uh, but United, the buttery flavor of fresh dairy cream, pleasantly warm essence of aged Irish whiskey. There we go. And a touch of spice. Maybe that's Highlander what it is. Grog. Yeah, it must be that within that. Uh, again, Scott over at the chef shop was gracious enough to uh, let us sample this and provide it uh, to us to evaluate on the show. And the chef shop, of course, is here in Edwardsville. I was over there recently myself to get pick up a few things in the Schnooks Plaza next to Target, 2320 Troy Road, Edwardsville, Illinois. Phone number 618-659-9840 or email thechef.shop at C-H-E-F-S dot S-H-O-P-P-E at Prodigy dot net. So feel free to stop by. Tell them you heard the show. Maybe they'll have a special uh, surprise for you. There we go. 
All right. Kathy asks, what is an RMD, and if I roll over my 401k, am I subject to that? Sounds like uh, the military. A lot of RMDs and 401ks and uh, whatever you want to call them, but uh, a lot of acronyms in our business. The required minimum distribution, great question. An RMD is required from an individual when they turn 70 and a half, and it's to be taken by April 1st of the year following the year in which they turn 70 and a half. However, in a qualified plan situation, if I am an employee of the company and I'm continuing to work past 70 and a half, finding more and more people are doing that these days, I do not have to take a required minimum distribution from my employer-sponsored qualified plan. However, even though I'm working for an employer past 70 and a half and not required to take money out of that plan, if I have separate IRAs, you are required to take the minimum required distribution from your individual retirement account. And the penalties are pretty steep if you don't take it in sufficient time, as required by the IRS code and the tax law. There is a fifty percent penalty. Ouch! Did you hear that, John? Fifty percent. Ouch! So if your required minimum distribution for this particular time frame was, you know, supposed to be uh, ten thousand dollars, and you don't do it on time, you're not notified, or you just don't know. It's buyer beware. It's your responsibility. Nobody really has to tell you that. Uh, then you have a five thousand dollar penalty. Not a pretty sight. Wow, fifty percent. Um, if I, I maybe we need to just got a question here on the four hundred one k loan. Maybe we need to just go through the the details of it. But if I have an outstanding four hundred one k loan and I cash out my plan, or I roll it over and I don't pay the loan back, that's the question. I roll it over, I don't pay my loan back. How do I pay that penalty? Well, the penalty is actually due when you file your taxes in April of the year following the year of the occurrence. So if someone rolls over their account balance to a new plan in 2016 and does not pay the loan back, then that amount of the loan, again, let's use a round number, say the loan was $10,000, becomes a distributable event and is taxable to the individual. The 10% penalty, or $1,000 in this case, is going to be due on their taxes when they file in April of 2017. Uh, they, of course, if they roll it over, the rest of it over, they won't have any additional tax withheld. So they're either going to be on the hook for it, and they may be subject to penalties depending on their individual tax situation. We're not tax advisors, so seek counsel from your individual tax uh, advisor in, to make sure that you have determined whether or not you need to put in uh, a, a contribution or sometimes um, uh, the payments that are due throughout the year to the IRS and to the federal government to make sure you don't run into a penalty situation. All right, we got one more question. What if I roll my 401k and convert it to a Roth? What happens then? Ouch. Um, <laughs> not 50%. Not 50%. No, not at all. Uh, when you roll a, a qualified plan into either an IRA or into another qualified plan and you convert it to a Roth, then the entire balance is subject to federal tax and state tax. Um it, it is a decision that has to be made by each individual whether that makes sense. As a rule of thumb, if I'm working with someone who is under, say, 50, 55 years old, it's worth looking at to determine if rolling to a Roth, again, as a refresher, a Roth account typically is after-tax money that grows tax-free when it's taken out at retirement or at some point in the future. 
whether it makes sense to to convert that entire IRA balance to a Roth and pay all of the federal and state taxes now in hopes that it grows fast enough on a tax-free basis to make up for the difference is something you have to look at uh, on a case-by-case basis. That's it for questions for today. We're about winding this up. Remember, the securities are offered through Nickel Investors Corp., number one, Executive Park, Granite City, Illinois, member FINRA SIPC. We invite our listeners to send us your questions regarding retirement, investments, or any other financial topic that piques your interest. Send them this time to Larry. It's L-Lexo, L-L-E-X-O-W, at NicoleFinancial.com. That's N-I-C-O-L Financial.com. We'll discuss them each week during our Q&A session and send you a private response if that is what you prefer. Our next show topic coming up will be annuities. Oh, boy. Does anybody know what an annuity is? That's the question. You sure we can get this done in one show, Larry? I may take a couple to get it done, but we'll do our best. If you have questions regarding an annuity that you currently have or are considering or someone you know or a family member that has one and you're not sure how it works or if it is a good thing or not, uh, please send those questions again to L-Lexo, L-L-E-X-O-W at nickel, N-I-C-O-L, financial.com. Have a great week. We want to thank WSIE Radio for the opportunity to bring you the Financial Cafe as aired every Saturday at 9 a.m. 88.7 WSIE, where we blend financial information with a good cup of coffee. Today's show is underwritten by The Chef Shop, your hometown kitchen accessory store, where a good cup of coffee starts every day outright. The views expressed on the Financial Cafe are those of the hosts, do not represent the views of Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, the SIU Board of Trustees, or WSIE Radio. Have a great week, everybody. We look forward to talking to you on the next Financial Cafe.